Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Still fucking shitty here in Cincinnati, Ohio, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to stop us. A little rain and a little sleet isn't going to stop us from analyzing the teams. Damn, now I'm thinking about what would have been a good opportunity for me to wear my Saracen boots again, but I did not. (laughs) It's my mistake. Those newbies look cooler. Thanks. They're new. New Balance kids. He's wearing them. Kawhi Leonard's. Kawhi Leonard's. Are those really? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know if he wears those. Um, okay, tonight, doing our normal routine, two episodes. A lot of juice here, especially on episode 10. That's our first one. It's different for girls. That's the title of episode 10. And then episode 11 is titled Nevermind. Um, okay, so we kick it back off. There's some storylines that honestly we're just going to cut out because, like, we're not going to go through. Like, we just don't have the time. And,. I just, I don't care about, I'm realizing like a lot of Smash's storylines I don't care about. The steroids thing, we don't care. Smash is still taking steroids. His nose is starting to bleed and stuff. I don't know if medically that happens from steroids. I think you just get a bigger head, science-wise. I think so, acne. And acne. But anyways, they just show him getting nosebleeds like he's addicted to cocaine. So, I guess that's science. But um, Housing is forty time to go uh, get a little slower. Actually, yeah. I don't know the, if we want to. I don't know if we want to touch on that at the top, but it was just something we noticed. No, we can because we'll just get the smash stuff out of the way quick. He's there's he's he's messing around with this preacher girl's daughter Waverly, who's bipolar. Again, another storyline that we we really just didn't. I I think it's that Waverly girl. I, I'm not interested in her. As she doesn't an actress. do it for me. I yeah, don't know why. I, so she's like she's the Lindsay of this show. Mm-hmm. Is that too harsh? No. Is that too harsh? That is true. She I, that's a good point. She is the Lindsay of this she show. She just comes in. You're supposed to kind of care about her emotionally, but I don't. I don't know why. Yeah, if Smash isn't gonna have a relationship with one of our uh, the cast and crew of the teens that we love, then it's like I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like fuck it. Fuck it off. Yeah. If Smash started to have a thing for um, Tyra. Mm. yeah then then i'm in with this kind of extra character although it, i guess uh she's more interesting than seeming most of the girls he hangs out with but i just i just don't care yeah and then to your point about the 40 yard time um we got to talk about it. it it just it's a it's a picking nit so i know yeah. once we once we do our end of friday night lights you know we'll get into the real nitpicks with zerb but here's one we that we have smash told the guy from the top 100 recruiting thing that he ran a 4-3. And which we pointed out is blazing fast for a high schooler. We covered it extensively on this podcast. However, when they talk in this episode about him increasing his speed because he's on all these steroids, he's starting to run like much faster and stuff, and, and they're clocking him, they're like, damn, man, he's up to a 4-4-6. And they said, and they said it's getting faster. So it's like, 
Well, which is it? Is he running a 4-4-6 or is he running a 4-3? You know what? I'm going to let Pete Berg off the hook. I think I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Smash was telling a little falsity to the to the recruiter. Yeah, he could he have was, been. He uh, was inflating yeah. the stats a little bit. Yeah. So he's like, I'm 6'5", I run a 4-3, my dick is 13 inches breathe fire. wide. <laughs> <laughs> I breathe fire. Yeah, anyways... Little, little thing there. Okay, starts out. The main thing it starts out on episode 10, it's different for girls, is the slut shaming on Lila is out of control. It's reached a fever pitch. Yeah, and not the fever pitch that Drew Barrymore and Jimmy, and Jimmy Fallon are in. No, that's a good fever pitch. Yeah. This is the bad kind of fever pitch. And um, it just, it's, it's at this level... Me and Pat are going to redact our statement last week. Yeah, fully redacted, <laughs> retracted. We made we made a big assumption on uh, how all girls handle bullying and how all guys yeah, handle listen, bullying. Listen, when you have a podcast, you just start saying things like they're true. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all we do. And uh, that time we were pretty wrong. Yeah, because we, we realized <laughs> <We're> all... <laughs> the, girls, the girls didn't back off when Lila, we said yeah, Our whole thing. theory was built around... They saw her break down, and that's all they needed, and and then they were done bullying her, and that's not the case. The bullying was in full effect still this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck it, us. If not worse, they doubled down. They doubled down harder. So and, we uh, took that was a pretty nice swing and a miss. Yeah, I mean strike one, strike one. That's our first miss. That's literally number <clears> one. <throat> so strike it. one strike for one. us. But. I do, what I will say is it actually seemed more similar to how just guys and all people are bullied. It seems like, and we'll, we'll cover this more at the end of this episode because it does, <laughs> it, it comes to a head and it kind of goes away by what Lila does at the cheerleading thing. And it really was kind of the same thing that we were saying about Tim. About, exact same thing. Yeah, like he just took so much shit and then the guys respected him because he took all that shit and then came back saying like, Hey, boys, Yeah. fuck you. It's definitely like a, a blood in the water type situation. High school kids, yeah. if they see you hurt, they will swarm on you like some sharks. Yeah, so we want to redact our statement and say that's true for all fucking kids out there. Yeah. If you're getting fucking bullied and shit on, girls or guys... Hide your pain. Hide your pain. Don't let them see the blood in the water. And then just like come back and say, fuck you, bitch. Um, I'm going to cheerlead. I'm going to cheerlead tonight. Yeah. I'm going to strap up my fucking cheerleading boots, and I'm going to cheerlead tonight. That's what you do, kids. Motherfuckers. That's what you do. Um, let's go to a clip, because as we get into, as we get off of Lila and get back into our dynamic duo of Matt and Julie T, they're trying to go on dates and stuff, and there's this one clip when they're like, initially talking about this sort of stuff when they're at school and he's standing at his locker i think it's their first moment since after he kisses her after the football game yeah it is which we detailed on last episode yeah amazing amazing shit Mm -hmm. and uh so she comes up and then here there's this scene their first interaction here it is right and, and about that um what happened on the field the other night after the, after the football game, what I did, when I kissed you, that was wrong. And I just didn't want you to think that I thought that maybe... Uh... That's what I think about it. I'll see you later. Oh, God. 
Oh my god. It's so good. Dude, the fact that this kiss happened in high school, like, it took me off guard. Like, kissing... Well, hold on, hold on. We first just gotta say, how amazing was that? Like, you're Matt, you're all up in your head, and, um... She's got the confidence. Yeah. Saracen's got minimal, minimal, at least outward confidence. He's just rambling, never sure of himself, just staring at his shoes, and Julie's got the confidence to be like, I like you. Here's a kiss. Get out of your head. Here's a kiss. And then, dude, I he's on cloud nine. God, that would be so amazing <laughs> as you kiss a girl that you're way into. She doesn't know, like, you don't realize how she actually felt about it. The whole, probably the whole weekend he was stewing on it. Like, mm. God, I'm an idiot. Shit. Yeah, anyways. Okay, go. What were you going to say? Oh, since we went to an all-guys high school, just, like, even seeing girls at high school, that wasn't even a thing. So, like, the fact that you potentially could have an opportunity to kiss the girl that you really like in school, like, before mm. school, it's crazy. Like, when they kissed, it almost seemed forbidden. I was like, whoa, whoa, can you do that? Whoa, that, kids. Like, in my mind, I was like, can you get a detention for kissing in school? But I think it's just totally fine. Yeah. Is that the way it goes? I don't know. I went to the same school. <laughs> so, <laughs> were, you, were, you getting, uh, were you getting in on that forbidden vibe? Like on that kiss, where you're like, oh, oh. I don't know. I was mean, there God. an extra spark for you? The fact that that happened at their lockers? No, I, di- I didn't feel that. But now that you're saying it, kind of. For you, that was just like a normal thing. Like, oh, they're. Yeah, they make it seem so. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I'd love for the fucking the kids in the uh, co ed schools to get at us yeah. on our Gmail of vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com or kids slide into our fucking dms please do at vicarious living podcast <laughs> on instagram yeah get in those dms anyway yeah, yeah i don't know for me i just got a little spark of forbiddenness because of the the context in which that little kiss happened yeah it was cool to get off of them and go back real quick because i just remembered um we got off lila really quick i i there, while she was getting shit on and slut shamed at that school, uh, she's sitting down in the cafeteria in that one episode, and uh, we got a real good peek into what we call it the uh, the food chain, the high school oh, yeah, hierarchy. The hierarchy of cool, well, the cool hierarchy. Oh yeah, the the cool. F- Just call the food chain. That's the, that's the cool the, food chain. Yeah, that's the easiest way for me to think about it. Status food chain. I mean, whatever. But it was it's so interesting to see because in that scene when Lila's getting shit on, no girls will sit with her. And she sits down just by herself at this table. And then these two like lackey loser fucking douche dudes come up and they're like, Oh, hey, Lila, what's going on? Like, hey, want to give us some pussy tonight? Like, it was just a bunch of shit like that. Yeah, they're doing this whole bit where, like, like she'd bang both of them because they were friends. Yeah, because like, now oh, it's... We're having a party if you want to come over in the hot tub. Like, Yeah, you trying to get double teamed at this party, Lila? Because we know you're, like, a slut now and stuff. <laughs> Fella. High five. <laughs> like, it was just, like, so fucking weird. But we got such a good glimpse in the hierarchy of... The cool food chain in high school, because then Tim just fucking walks over, and it's like, oh, hey, sorry, Tim. Hey, Tim, what's up, man? Here, have our seats. Have our seats, Tim. Yep. So we're like <laughs> fresh off of like, and this is, I mean, this is just the classic Rogan's thing. We're fresh off of him having his worst episode of the season, 
Just he's at the bottom of the barrel last episode. Bad, You're like, God, Riggins sucks. Jesus. Bad couple stretch for him. His first, the first moment he has in this next episode is just, you're like, oh yeah, he's such a badass. Because yeah, like you said, he just walks up and he doesn't even have to, he doesn't even have to yell at these kids. They just immediately are terrified of him. They're like, oh, hey, <laughs> they hey, Riggs. Oh, hey, Riggs. <laughs> All Riggs? right. <laughs> he's What's just up, like, Riggs? Get the fuck away. Nerds. Nerds, hey, hey, pussy nerds! Get he the doesn't fuck even out. have to say it because he's a great white shark in the food chain, and these were just two little guppy nerds. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say like these are two hammerheads, but no, no, they're lower. Yeah, they're like they just swam away. Yeah, a bunch of yellowfish tuna. He didn't even have to show the teeth. Those tuna just swam away. Yeah, I don't even know if yellowfish tuna is a real fish, but it seems like a bitch fish. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go with that. Sounds like a thing. Um, there's also with Lila the slam page that was created. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's actually called the official Lila Garrity slam page. <laughs> it was maybe. In no way, shape, or form am I laughing at the slut shaming, PC police. I am just laughing at it, though. <laughs> the. The, this this website title is ridiculous, and the website itself, it was like... Yeah, was, I think I'm laughing more be- at that, the it website. Was before, it was before, like, Squarespace and all that stuff, where you, like, you could just make a nice-looking website. Yeah. It just, the website just looked so... a 2006 website. Yeah, and it's it, it looked like a flyer. Like, you printed out a flyer and, like, scre- and, uh, scanned it on your printer, and then... You yeah. upload some, it was weird. It, it, it's weird to see like now in 2019 when all this bullying and shit is probably happening on like social media in high school and stuff. This was, this was like early on yeah. cyberbullying. Yeah. Which I, I don't even think. A lot of work has to go into this for these yeah, girls. Like these girls cruel. have to be committed. It's fully cruel. I think now for kids and I mean kids obviously write into us with your feelings on this. I'm pretty sure it is just. It's just horrible. Like, I think yeah. bullying in 2019 is just having a party or having, like, a group of friends over, not inviting someone, and then just posting about how fun of a time you're having on social media. There's so they're that. sitting at home, and they're like, yeah. oh, I didn't get invited. I am miserable. I think there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of shit that I don't even think we're really clocking on social media of, like oh, she stopped liking my pictures on Instagram. Yeah. So, fuck her. She's not coming to the fucking, you know, whatever this weekend, like the party this weekend with us. Because so fuck her. we're going to have a party and we're going to put up, I guess, Snapchats maybe? All my I best think it's friends? not even on Snapchat anymore. Probably I think it's all Instagram. Probably Instagram. Good, thing, Instagram. good thing we're on Instagram. God, good thing. But yeah, putting up posts, hanging out with all of my best friends. So yeah. good to be with all of my friends. Yeah, I think that's I think that's cyberbullying in 2019. In 2006, cyberbullying was full on creating a web page. Yeah, and, you had to be fucking uh, Bill Gates to cyberbully and spreading the link around yeah. school. Like you had to be fucking Steve Jobs or Bill Gates to fucking cyberbully in 2006. I God know. damn. Um, I wish that I wish they did. I like told us which girl at the school did that. Website. I mean, she's probably gonna go on to have a very lucrative career in like the design i mean clearly space. she's pretty creative yeah um just real quick we don't have to keep high, uh, hammering on this page but there is a scene that i loved and you might want to talk about buddy garrity so this might be a good segue 
there is uh, a scene where Buddy is at his car dealership. Yeah, looking just, at the web page. No, it's it's right. Oh, when he's he told finds, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So the guy that tells him about this web page was my favorite character in the show. <laughs> it's like it's this just old low school, key winner of the week. It's just the yeah low key winner of the week. It's this old school cowboy. He's just got a cowboy hat on. He's dressed like a cowboy with a real thick Texas accent, and he's just like describing this internet bullying web page, and it just. It's so perfect. Because he was the dad of the girl. He was the dad of the girl who did it. And it was just like him talking about cyberbullying in his thick Texas accent was, <laughs> was a highlight for me. I, I will <laughs> say in that scene, Buddy Garrity was wearing a uh, a Bluetooth. Yeah. And I was just thinking when, when I was watching that, like, is there anyone that's more suited to be wearing a Bluetooth or like one of those old cell phone clips that you would put on your belt yep. than a Buddy Garrity. Like, nope. he is built for that shit. And, like, just keeps the Bluetooth in all, all day. Times. All day. And, um, yeah, he, he was probably really sad when flip phones died off because that meant that he could no longer have his fucking flip phone, like, holstered right to like his belt on his belt. side. Like, well, kaboom. What's that call? Like, just always have it, like, at the ready. Like, pockets free. Hands yeah. free. Pockets free. Yeah, so that was interesting. I'm, I'm glad that uh, you brought up Buddy Garrity, though. I oh, don't even... shit. No, no, I, just, I don't... I mean, I just realized that's... Yeah. I mean, that's probably a good sign for you. I know. It's like, I don't even know if what you would call what I'm doing to you is inception, because it's more like, it's more outward in your face maybe than like in the back of your mind but i feel like it's making some effect subconsciously on you if you're now bringing him up so job well done to me i guess i can't deny there's that. still work to do there's still work to a do a lot kids. of work um okay i want to get into a scene that really got both of us going and that was when jason's sitting in his room mm-hmm. he's sitting there he's just hanging out Honestly, odds are in real life, if this was like a real show, he'd be beating off or trying to. Uh, I don't know. With the risk of the backflow, it's probably not I the know, but most medically sound thing to be doing. Either way, though, what that what got us going in this scene, though, was seeing as he was sitting in his bedroom, looked out his window, they were co- playing some really fucking cool music, and Lila was just leaning on her car or a tree outside of his window at night. If I had a dime for every time that happened to me in high school... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So rich with dimes. I would be so rich with dimes. You'd have at least 86 cents. There was like, at any given time, there'd be three different girls leaning up against fence posts outside of my, outside uh, of my window at the same time. Right. Like, Lauren's here. Fucking Michelle here. They're Michelle all, is just, here. They're just scattered throughout my yard. Yeah. Like, they all have to pick a different tree. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Never happened to me. Not once. I would have loved it. It would have been so cool to experience it because it <laughs> seems like the coolest but, thing. Like... In high school, this never happened to us. And there was also another scene where she just crawled in through his window, like, unannounced, as he was laying in his bed, like, sleeping. And it just... God. Oh, one, I think, with cell phones, this stuff can't happen anymore in 20, 2019. That sucks. 
And two, it was just such a thing that was in these old shows all the time. The, literally, the premise of Dawson's Creek was built on the foundation of Dawson lived next door to Katie Holmes and she would just crawl in through his window unannounced like every single day. Girl next, It was the definition of girl next door. The pop-in. And is the pop-in dead? No, is it's it now, just... It's like it's a text, right? It's always like, hey. a text now and like... It's always planned. I mean, okay, quick, another side thing here is how weird is it that if anyone pops in to your house or to your door nowadays, like I remember growing up, it was like if if someone rang the doorbell, it was happening all the time, whether it was like a meat man coming by, like asking if you want these Salisbury steaks, or it was like, you know, the, the neighborhood kid trying to get picking up uh, his collection for the uh, the newspaper that he dropped off every week. Or, uh, I mean, whatever, Girl Scout cookies. There was always people coming to your door, and it was never a thing. Now, in 2019, if someone comes to your door, it's like, what the fuck was that? Like, what the fuck was that? We're not home. We're not home. Fucking dive under a couch. Dive under the couch. Who is it? Who is it? Dude, who is it? Who is it? Like, it's, you're, you're constantly, like, peering behind, like, pillars or whatever, like, just trying to figure out, like, who the fuck could be there to rape and murder you? Like, or they're selling you some shit that you don't fucking want, but. Uh, Whitney told me that she has, she pulls this, like, 1950s, like, housewife thing when like a I'm I think, naked. I think no, it was like a no, it was like a, a um, I think it was a a cable company. Maybe it was Time Warner. They just installed fi optics internet in our neighborhood, and they're like going around trying to get people to switch from Spectrum to fi optics. And a guy was going door to door trying to get people to sign up and switch. And she pulled this like, oh, actually, my boyfriend's here. He handles all that stuff. I don't, he handles all that stuff for us. Like, as if like, yeah. like, oh, sorry, I'm just a female. I don't do any of the business <laughs> stuff around the house. That's she just, Pat. just to get out of it, which I think. That's my fiance, Pat. He does all the heavy lifting of that <laughs> stuff. No, that's guy stuff. No, he does all that business stuff. Oh, fi-optics? Fi-optics? <laughs> that's guy stuff. I think my plan is when the guy comes back and I do... I'll obviously not answer the door, but if I accidentally do, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm going to say that she handles all that stuff and we'll just get them kind of caught in a loop. Point is this, if you get a knock at the door, it's not fucking cool at all. No, no. It's somebody, yeah, somebody selling you something you don't want. But I agree with you. Like, I wonder, maybe that's a big reason why these teen drama shows haven't been as prevalent as they have been in the past. Where in the past, it was like every five years, there was one. Like Beverly Hills 90210, Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, fucking The O.C., uh, Friday Night Lights. There, there was like one all the time that was happening. And maybe now, the fact that cell phones exist, I don't it, it, they it's, don't... it's just different. It's different. Because seen... all those pop-ins, those are so critical. That's critical to these shows because you always have to have people walking in on like, whoa. You guys are hooking up in here? And then, because you don't have that. Now you always know when people are coming in. Um, I've seen a couple shows that incorporate the cell phone pretty decently. Like, they just pop up, like, the screen on the side of the, like, the cell phone screen up on the side of the... Oh, yeah. And, like, if done well, it kind of works. (sighs) 
But do, it it takes a while. It's jarring. It they, takes a while to get used to. They do, and it's uh, not as it's not as dramatic as the pop in or the. I think we talked about it. It happens in this episode. We called it the coincident, the coincidental situational coincidence where, where two characters. It's not a planned pop in, but they just end up like running into each other in public. I yeah, think street runs into Lila like that. Oh yeah, at the, the record, record store. store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you, what are the odds that? They're, they're both going to be at the record store in that five-minute time frame. And but it is a small town. So if it's a small town, there's not many places to go. You all are at school for a certain amount of time. So if you both go at like four or five, like I, there, it, it is possible. But yes, I agree. It's very rare. There's a lot of situational coincidences where it's like that. Uh, should we bring back the pop-in? Like next week when we go to record, I'm not going to tell you what day. I'm just going to show up. No. <laughs> I'll be out of town for half the week anyways. So you can try. <laughs> we'll probably still have to keep scheduling when we record I guess this. that's probably why the pop in 2019 doesn't work. I show up on like Tuesday. I'm just traveling six. too much for business. You're dude. out of town and then I just drive. I just drive home. Yeah. You just I'll show leave. up the next day and try it again. Look, Pat, you know, when you're killing it in the business world as much as I am, uh-huh. you're out there, you know, you're making moves, yeah. okay? You're out there, you're gracing palms, you're fucking getting dollar bills, dude. Dollar bills. <laughs> um, okay, so, yes, I, I th- that situation, just to be clear, never happened to me or Pat, not once, not ever in our lives. We still would love that for that to happen. A girl is just, like, waiting outside for us, outside of our window. That'd be really cool. Be really cool. Especially if it was Julie T. God damn. Um, on the, but I do want to say there there is a clip. Let's pepper in a clip here. A real, real argument that was a very good like. I just want to play this honestly. I don't know how long this is gonna be. Uh, I'll have to see. But I just want to play this because it's a argument between Lila and Jason. And uh, here I'll just play this clip. One mistake would have been you cheating on me. But two was when you, Please, you lied to stop. me. Three was when I found out it was with my best friend. What else you gotta tell me, huh? What else you wanna get off your chest while you're out here feeling sorry for yourself? I huh? was there for you, Jason. I was the only one that was there for you. Every single day. I was there for you every night. I made one mistake. It's great. You want credit? You want credit for sticking by me? I did not ask for this. And I damn sure did not ask for the one person in this world that I loved to break my friggin' heart. I didn't ask for this either, Jason. Seeing you in that hospital broke my heart. I was so lost and alone. And I screwed up. I just love that scene, honestly, because it just, it's so authentic. It just, like, I feel like they captured relationship arguments perfectly there. Where it's like you can kind of see both people's sides. And it's clear they're both into each other and stuff. But just based on life being what life is, you're just constantly getting into arguments. I'm trying to think of something as dramatic as what they're going for. I mean... No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. It's not the actual subject matter. I just thought that they actually captured what the dynamic is really well of... Yeah, it's not always black and white of this person is clearly in the wrong... So well, I, I'll say so many of those kind of arguments, uh, you could easily just take the lazy way out and just be like, well, agree to disagree and then never talk about it again. 
But I feel like in order to have a successful relationship, you have to fucking hash it out. And find, like, I guess get to some kind of like common ground. See, I don't know if this might just relate more to me because I am argumentative. Or at least I, like, I am in that mode always of I need to hash this out for me to be able to move on from this. You're not very argumentative. You kind of like to let it be. So maybe that's why that just, that might just be more, like, personally connected to me. Potentially. In this, they do a really good job of getting you inside these characters' heads. Fuck. Especially Street. I feel like especially with Street because, it would, like, you can tell it would be so, it's so tempting for him to just take her right back. Because that's like, like he kept saying, she was the best thing in his life. And now he's paralyzed and he doesn't have a beautiful girlfriend. He's just alone and paralyzed. And it's just like, if I just do this one... I, I told you, I think, like, 75% of him wanted to just forgive her and take it back. But the other 25% of him, which is his, like, his pride and his, like, ego yeah. of just, like, shit, if I take her back, then I'm just a weak piece of shit. I know, and I think maybe that's why, like, I liked it so much was because Pete Berg puts you in the head of, like, what it's like being in Street's head in this in his shoes and like I fully like get into his shoes and then same with Lila puts you in her shoes and so like you can totally see but the way he does it that like I know exactly what this would fucking be like and you're watching it going street just like let it go now like it she's clearly still into you she's not that was a mistake it was a stupid fucking mistake she's clearly still into you she's waiting outside your fucking house she doesn't care that you're in a wheelchair Yet, like you said about Street, exactly. Like, if you're him, it's like, no. No fucking chance, lady. I'm going to look like such a fucking bitch if I take you back. Everyone knows you cheated on me and shit. Not even look Fuck like no. Not even look like it. He would just... Pride. His pride His would pride, be shot. yeah. Yeah. So, I, anyways, I, I just thought that was interesting. Um, let's like... I, I do want to give a... I, I think I'm starting to gauge when we're watching this episode. When we're off mic... When I can actually quote you, and when I can't actually quote you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's some quotes where it's like, okay, cannot bring that up. But here's a couple that I did just want to say that made me laugh, um, that I do feel like can be brought up. One, when we saw Riggins in the rain, you just said, ugh, Riggins wet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when they when they really mean business with a Riggin scene, they get him nice and soaking wet. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, when they, when it's like, hey, it's time for for Tim to step up. It's clear they're like, hey, what's the forecast? Doesn't matter. Hose him down. Hose him down. Bring some dollies in here and fucking start getting some makeshift rain on this guy. We need him wet as fuck. Um, another one. And this this is this is coming on the heels of us just praising Lila in a conversation that she had in a clip. Um, at one point you did, and you can tell me which scene this was you were referring to when you said this. You said, uh, "quote God, bantering with Lila would suck so much ass." <laughs> End quote. I stand by that. What scene was that? Where they, she... this was we we mentioned it a couple minutes ago but it's when they were in the record store they had to like coincidentally bump in at the record store yeah um it was like small talk banter they're like they're bantering like he he i forget what she was doing oh she was looking at clay aiken he's like oh oh yeah he's like oh clay aiken (laughs) you love clay aiken and street was like being funny 
and basically like trying to do like this banter back oh, and forth. Oh, you know I love Clay. Okay, come on, don't rip on Clay. <laughs> Something like that or whatever. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh yeah, no, me, me and Clay Aiken are going to get married. And she's like, oh, can I come? It's like, oh, actually, it's just going to be me and Clay. Um, we're going to have a nice small ceremony. Ryan Seacrest is going to be marrying us. And he's like going on this kind of this little thing, just doing a little playful banter. And she just is like, her only thing, she just goes, oh yeah. <laughs> That's all she said. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah, streets out there just, on a limb trying to be funny and like yeah, witty exactly. and stuff. Just having a little banter, a little back and forth, and she just gives him nothing. So I feel like after a half a day of that life, you would just be bored to tears and then unforgive her. I feel like I empathize with street there because I feel like that happens so much where you're like at a work function or something. You just got to give like some C or D level joke, like just side thing as you pass someone or whatever. Like you put yourself out on a limb. Like you're just like, look, I'm just trying to make a joke. We both we over laugh at this zero of a joke, I'm going to say. And then we just move on. We walk away. We're not friends, but like we both know each other kind of. That's like what he was doing there of like just like filling the void. And yeah, God, to give him nothing in return. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, instead of playing tennis, like, I feel like me and you, when we do this, we try to play a little tennis here. Like, I'll whack the ball to you, you're trying to whack it back to me. I'll spike it back, and then... Oh, you spike it, you bring the heat. I spike it back, and then point for me. Because we're not going to play tennis, and me not fucking get match points. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I get your second serve, though. Your second serve's a little weaker, and I can return that. Are we still talking about this podcast, or just what it would be like playing tennis one-on-one? I thought we were talking about actual tennis. I'm bad at racket sports. You'd probably oh. actually beat me in tennis. But okay. doing this with Lila would be like playing racquetball with a wall made of jello. Yeah. Any conversation it dies under the wall. Literally any conversation with Lila, I just I would I would stand up out of my wheelchair. I'd get the I'd literally all of a sudden get the feeling back in my legs. Oh yeah. Because I'd be so fucking annoyed. Oh yeah. That there'd be a medical. <laughs> There'd be a medical fucking miracle, Lila. And I'd just stand up and I'd do that same thing. I'd be like, honestly, bitch, why don't I just go into that fucking corner over there? I'll go in that corner and I'll just stare at that fucking wall and have a conversation with that fucking wall. Yeah. I will get more in response out of that fucking blank brick wall than 500 conversations I will ever have with you. Yeah. You stupid fucking bitch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right, dude. I was gonna say, say, when you were talking about the like the casual conversation at work, I don't know why this popped in my head today. It hasn't happened to me in a really long time, but like, let's say you throw out, you're just you're bored and you're small talking, and you just throw out something weird because you're trying to spice up the conversation, and you get this (laughs) TMI. Oh my god, dude! (laughs) Don't even get me fucking started. Is there any is there any more like just Don't. fucking stopper in the entire world than somebody feeling like TMI, dude? I have no fucking filter. So do you imagine how many times someone says the phrase TMI to me? This strikes a chord because this is said to me a lot. I in know, my fucking and life. it's brutal. It's the worst. If you kids, good advice for the kids here. Tip for the kids. Kids. Never, ever, ever, ever utter the words to someone else in life, TMI. 
Never do that. If you're a person that says TMI, get a dick real hard and fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Never do it. You you, suck ass. If you don't want information, stay home. Yeah, leave. Get out of my sight. God damn, dude. Guess what? If you say TMI to me, you're getting zero information ever again because I'm cutting you out. Uh, that's that's when Pat stops, man. He shuts down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Here's the thing. We've sh- we've now, per usual, we've shit on Lila a lot. That's standard stuff. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> she sucks. So that's how it goes on the Vicarious Living podcast. But I want to get. I want to do a rare thing here. I want to do something real rare and. Uh, I'm going to sing her praises. Okay, good. This doesn't happen much. Um, you know what? I If I see something, I'm not going to be stubborn about Lila always sucking. It, she, you know, if she does something really cool that I enjoy, I'll call it out. And then probably five minutes later, I'll go back to shitting on her. I appreciate that about you. Yeah, thank you. Um, the cheerleading scene. I, I said it when we were watching it. One of my favorite scenes. It's awesome. In, in the whole series. I love this scene. It, she, it, gets, she gets her groove back. The, let's start with the song. Because I think this is when they start playing that song. Uh-huh. It's not the actual cheerleading event. Because we'll go through the end of that. But this song right here. <clears throat> Cue it up. Uh, Storm by Jose Gonzalez. This is playing leading up to the, the cheerleading. It starts playing when the aforementioned Riggins shows up soaking wet at... Lila's door. Trying to get her to go to go do the cheerleading thing because she's sulking and stuff with all the bullying. Yeah, he's kind of done trying to win her back or like win her uh, or like get her to like him but he's just there to give some real advice. Like, listen, this just happened to me. I'm kind of going through the same stuff. What you need to do to get back on the horse is do what you love. Do the thing that when you do it, you forget about all the other shit. Yeah, he was saying that about football. Like, hey, when all when all the shit sucks, like football helps keep my mind off of it. So this is what you love. You should go do. He's like defeated, street one. They he's really into Lila now. It's like he lost. She's still into street. And so, yeah, the song's playing, and then it was just emotion. It's a good song. I love this song. It's like it hits the emotional chords, you know. This song, though, is playing when she does arrive to the cheerleading, and then when she arrives, this song stops. And now it goes from being like that sort of depressing vibe of that song, which I love, because I love depressing songs. Mm -hmm. It goes from that into... Fuck it. Same thing as as, uh, Riggins last week. He he dislocated his shoulder. Everyone's thinking he's not going to go back out there. Everyone's shitting on I feel like we should mention that Lila quit the cheerleading team because she was getting bullied so hard. Right, yeah. So we should mention her that. getting back on. So th- then it's like, I'm going to grab, like, fuck it. Tim, the guy who just got over being bullied by telling all those idiots to go fuck themselves, is essentially getting her to do the same shit. And then she goes to this cheerleading thing, and dude, th- this, is, this is just one of my favorite scenes because watch the end of episode 10 for this cheerleading scene for this look i'm big on these like looks to music 
mm-hmm. slow motion style. That's, I mean, that's why we do this. This is why we fucking do this podcast, is for these moments of, like, she goes out there, and just like we said about Riggins, how she gets over the bullying thing, is she just fucking owns it, dude. She goes up there, actually, fuck it, I'm gonna play another clip. This is what, she's going to this cheerleading thing, all, when she shows up late, everyone already thought she quit the team, the coach and all the girls who were, and the girls who were, like, really shitty to her, looking at her like, what the fuck? What the fuck is she doing here? And then the the guy like registering him is like, who are you? Who are you? And she says this. I'm here. Hello. Hi. A little late, aren't you? Yeah, sorry. Name? Lila Gary. Oh. Yeah, the whore with the website. Well, I thought I heard you weren't going well, on. Oh, you heard wrong. Sign me in. Ownership. Own it. Get out. Get out in front of the kids. Kids, once you fucking own your shit, whatever the fuck it is, people just kind of back off. They like back off, dude. If you you can own the lamest fucking shit. You seen Eight Mile? Oh, I've seen it. You remember when Eminem gets on that freestyle and calls out all of oh. his all of his shortcomings? Oh, fucking. we gotta play that. Play that. Yeah. Final battle. That's not too long, no. so we can play that. Sorry, this is how you own your shit, kids. I know everything is not to say against me. I am white. I am a fucking punk. I do live in a trailer with my mom. My boy future is an ugly time. I do got a dumb friend named Cheddar Bob who suits himself in his leg with his own gun. I did get jumped by all six of you chumps. And we did fuck my girl. I'm still standing here screaming fuck the free world. If you're Lila Garrity, if you're Eminem, if you're Street, you just gotta own your shit. And you say, hey, you know what? You stick a middle finger up to the fucking people and you say, I'm still standing here saying, fuck the free world. Fuck the cheerleaders. Fuck the O-linemen. Fuck them. You gotta own your shit. If you just own it and like, hey, yeah, you know what? I did suck a little dick. I sucked it. I sucked a little dick. What's is this, up? Is this you owning your shit right here? Yeah. If I, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Pat. I sucked the dick. I mean, that's fine. So, back off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to this. Back to the cheerleading scene. Um, after she says that and owns her shit, and everyone just kind of lets it go. There's this look, and like we were saying, this is why we watch, dude. I mean, there's this look. God, please go back and watch. It's like the final couple minutes. You just got to see it for that. She's at this cheerleading thing. Her and Street have been having all this shit. Tim's still been trying to get with her. They've been having some shit. Everyone's dealing with the bullying stuff. And then, like, she's about to she's about to go out there. She's standing out there on the mat, looking down in, like, cheerleading pose and stuff. About to do some moves. Just, like, little side look. We'll side look up into the stands. Music's playing. It get, The camera pans to Tim. You think she's looking at Tim. And for a split second, you're like, oh, she must be looking at Tim because he gave her the advice to come here. Maybe she is into him. And then you see in the background a blurry figure 
camera from being on Tim in the in the foreground goes blurry in the foreground, focuses on the background of who's sitting there. Jason Street in his wheelchair. He's sitting there. He's sitting there, full on supporting her, and that's what she smiles at. She doesn't smile at Tim. She actually smiles at Jason's there, and it's like God. It was kind of good to see it. Made me like Lila because it was like Tim is like the ultimate badass. And then like she chose the guy in the wheelchair who she had the connection with in the first place. Yeah. No, I uh, I was pretty jacked up on that scene myself. I would say it's Lila's greatest like five minute stretch of the entire series. So it, it was just, it was cool to see. Lila, we still fucking hate you. Um, episode 11, never mind. We'll do this one quick. Saracen's dad's back. Um, he's a real piece of shit. Big time tool. Tool bag. Um, he really put on the tool belt this week, kids. He's fucking Tim the Tool Man Taylor. And, and he sure is. I'm improving it this oh, yeah. week. There's some shit with him. Let's wait on him for a second until we get to the game. Tim's also... They're starting to get on Tim for not like being able to pass his grades and stuff. So like Tim's a dumb guy. He can't help it. I just want them to fuck off with that. Like, just let Tim be, man. Fuck. It's like any one of these shows. There needs to be the right percentage of school weaved in. And that percentage is pretty low. Yeah. Like, with the OC, when they went real hard on them, like, actually doing schoolwork, it kind of gets boring. With this, I feel like they're teetering on the edge of too much school with Tim. Well, just with Tim. <laughs> Nobody else does anything for school, but... Yeah, we don't care. It? We we like I like seeing them in school, like in like we were talking about, in the hallways, at the lockers. I like all that stuff, but I don't need to see them stressing about like writing papers and exams and shit. Yeah, I want them to be stressed about, and this football, and the, dra- the, the drama of their teen lives. Um, we stressed about school. Like, been there, done that. This shit's boring. <laughs> The only upside of no longer still being like back in high school, in my mind, is that we don't have homework anymore. Yeah. That's the only upside. Every other reason, I'd love to go back. Uh, I will say, I didn't totally mind this whole Tim trying to get his grades up so he could play football storyline because the dynamic with him and Landry was good. That was good. So, um, uh, Mrs. T... The counselor assigns Landry to be his kind of, I guess, study buddy or tutor. tutor. Yeah, his tutor. And so they hang out while Landry's trying to, like, basically force Tim to actually give 5% effort in school. <laughs> it's literally just 5%. <laughs> just such a classic line. Will you play the uh, the clip where he's uh, he just read him? I think it's, is it Of Mice and Men? Oh, Whatever book on the bleachers? Reading. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I was, I was going to play that. He just literally... He read the entire Of Mice and Men book to Tim because as he was trying to tutor him, Tim still wouldn't fucking do it. And so I mean, I could I could totally relate on this point because now we know that Tim is an audiobook guy. We know he does, it. doesn't have the focus to read. Me myself, I'm an audiobook guy. If I could have done audiobooks back in school, would have changed my world. So let let yes, let's let let's play this clip real quick and then we'll we'll digest it um, because. I also have thoughts on Landry in this clip. So here, here's the clip that we're talking about. I just sat here and read the entire, the entire book to you, and you have nothing to say. There's got to be something in this head of yours that you can relate to. I don't this to. know. There's got to be something. I don't know. What, what don't you know? Okay, listen, listen. 
this, this, is, this is a book about two best friends who have a dream that gets crushed. They have a dream that gets crushed. There, you, you can't tell me that there's not something in this head of yours that you can relate this to. There's got to be something. My God. I also, I wanted to play that because of Landry, who I felt he got his shot in that scene. And I think fucking Twix City, dude. Dude. Twix yeah. City. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like, I, I keep telling you, dude, all these side small characters, they all get a shot. And it's like some of them nail it. And like your Buddy Garrity's, your Landry's, your Tammy T's, your Julie Taylor's, all of these people nailed it. But then you have like Tyra's mom, you have Lila's mom, you have Tyra's sister. There's a lot of these characters who, Waverly, that we already talked about with Smash. They get their shots and they just, for whatever reason, they don't test for shit. They don't deliver. It was, yeah. Um, last week we saw Billy Riggins get a shot, nailed it. And then Landry went from just being like the funny friend to, I think, in this episode, like you said, Player Town, Twick Village. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're like, I'm interested in what this kid's got. Take him to Twick Village and, and fucking put some layers on him. Yep. Because that's what happened. He was like the one guy that like, I feel like Riggins only respects like a couple people in the show. Street for sure. Like barely Coach T. Like nobody stands up to him. Even his brother who they yell at each other. I feel like in this scene, you realize that Tim Riggins respected whatever the fuck Landry was doing. Because Landry was like in his face. It's a real fine balance, I think, and you see this with a lot of characters. You see it in later seasons when they bring a new coach in, and the guy pushes him too hard and Tim shuts down. With Tim, you need the right amount of gas and the right amount of brakes. you got to know the right times to push him, but you cannot push him all the time or else he'll completely shut down. But if you push him the right amount, he becomes the most loyal person to you, and he'll, he'll run through a brick wall for you. But it's just, yeah, I, I've yeah, noticed like, that. Like Landry put in all that work, just basically reading this book to him while he was lifting and working out and just patiently doing this whole thing. And then at the very end, Riggins couldn't come up with a thesis for his paper. And he's just like, he laid it out for me. He's like, I did all this for you? And you can't give me anything? Yeah. And he's just like, shit, this kid's right. I think like Tim's one of those guys who he just wants to see that you're... You care about You him. care. And you're all in. And then if you if you prove that, he'll he'll let you be one of the he'll let Coach T yell at him. He'll let Street yell at him. He'll let Lila yell at him. But like if a new coach comes in or someone comes in who doesn't know him that well, it's like, I'm not gonna listen to you. Fuck right off. The last thing we'll say and then we'll move on is it's such a funny side thing where Coach He's he for some reason in this episode decided that he's just never gonna get Landry's name right and he's only gonna call him Lance. It's awesome. <laughs> and I don't know if that was like a little fuck up thing that happened in that scene, but I do know that that goes on for the rest of the five seasons. <laughs> he literally calls him Lance for the next five years, knowing that his name's Landry. He just never like he always everyone will be like Landry and Coach will always be like. Oh, you mean Lance? Yeah. For five years. Such a small, perfect nugget. And I also want to say another... You know, we were talking about ages that didn't make sense. They've never made sense how Street 
and Riggins were best friends their whole lives when there was this two-year age gap where right now Street's a senior and Riggins is a fucking sophomore. Lance is the other guy, Landry. Another guy whose age never makes sense. He's supposed to be a freshman this year, apparently. Really? Because he's still in high school when they go to East Dillon in season four and five. And he's still in high school playing kicker and tight end on the East Dillon Lions football team with Michael B. Jordan as QB. Shit. Yeah, so I don't know. He's not Saracen's age? I guess not. Again, weird. (laughs) Is either Lance, a.k.a. Landry, is in the eighth grade or a freshman right now, or I don't understand how he's still in high school in season four and five when Coach goes to East Dillon. So, another weird thing. Okay. I got to get back to, um, it's time. We sang too many praises for Lila G. We gave her props. She got them. Great. But now it's time to bring us and this podcast and Lila G back down to earth. And we're bringing it back home this week. We're bringing it back home to where it belongs. The MCITW, that is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. Coming back home. MCITW brought to you by our fine sponsors of Wicklow Wear. W-I-C-K-L-O-W. Where? Be free and explore. Get all your out of your Wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off of your order. Get the socks that you saw on her Instagram. Get the fucking hats that you saw on her Instagram. Get all their shit. Lila G. She's got it again. Do you know why? (laughs) Let me know. Okay, I was just, you know, saying last week how it's easy to give it to her every week, and I am going to take the easy route out this week. Um, When she showed up to Street's room with the fucking wheelchair porn, couldn't handle it, dude. I I could not fucking handle it. It was a VHS, and I, so yes, on the flip side, I get it. I get she's trying to make this work. Street can't get boners, dude. He can't get boners. And so she's trying to like just think of ways that'll help. I know she's trying to help. But at the end of the day, if your version of helping is to go to fucking Blockbuster in 2006 and rent a VHS, ask the guy at the counter because there's no way that it's just out in front of everyone. Where can I find wheelchair porn? I can't see how you can possibly think that's the fucking answer. I mean, this is just a classic case of her needing to do less. Oh my god, yeah, do less, bitch. Like, fucking... They showed some of the wheelchair porn, dude, and it was, like, so sad. It was so sad. It was, like, a lady sitting on a guy's lap who's wearing khakis. It was all, There was also, like, an educational, like, instructional twist to it. Yeah, it was, like, a sex ed video from high school, like, that was made in 1986 that they're still showing in 2006. Except it was wheelchair version. Yeah. I mean, nobody was getting switched on. No one. Were you switched on? I will never get switched on. I was not switched on. Street was not switched on at all. No. There were no boners anywhere, kids. There were no boners in our fucking Vicarious Living podcast studio. And there were no boners in Jason Street's bedroom. Yeah. So, Be Free and Explore, brought to you by Wicklowware. Sorry, Lila, you get it again. Do not bring VHS of fucking wheelchair porn. Don't do it. In that same scene, we had a, like a small debate. Oh, well, I'll drag it onto the podcast 
over i think it's in that scene where he's obviously upset that she's trying to make him watch this tape he doesn't want to do it she keeps pushing it and he makes a comment like oh why don't you just why don't you just go have sex with riggins or something like that yeah and i i thought it was inappropriate yeah i thought it was like mad jabs mad jab territory simply based on the fact that at this point like street had kind of forgiven her or at least let her back into his life yeah and in doing that i feel like he's either got to make a decision either you forgive her and don't bring the shit up or you hold on to it and then you just let her go but you i mean i think you made a fair point in saying that he should get at least would you say three months of it's Reagan's a, comments it's a fine line dude it's like I, the way i think about it is lila's clearly in the wrong but in no way, shape, or form should should Jason be letting that go that quick. I am 100% in agreement with you that there is a certain point, and the interesting thing is trying to figure out when that point is, but I think it's like three months, but honestly, for everyone, it's probably different. Of like, if, if someone does something really shitty to you, everyone goes through it in their own timeline, so... In my head, I'm thinking like a few months is probably where it's like shit or get off the pot time. So I was thinking he's still in that window where he gets every right in any argument of like, hey, Lila, can you get me a glass of water? Oh, I just came back from there. Oh, you're not going to get me a glass of water? Yeah, you're going to suck my best friend's dick? (laughs) I feel like he still has the right right now in this window because it's only been a few weeks. But I do agree with you. I would say after a few months or whenever that, that it, there is a point where eventually it turns on you. Yeah. Like you it just stops. Gotta, you just got to let it go. It stops being at a certain point, whether it's three months, six months, whenever it is, there is a point where if he still is hanging out with her and like they're trying to make this work, there's a point where he's got to stop fucking bringing it up. You think he's still in the window? I think he's in the window, That's but there fair. is a point where there's this threshold you pass where it's like, okay, dude, if you keep bringing it up after this mark, now it's kind of becoming on you. It's no longer all her fault she cheated on you. Now it's becoming you. It's your fault. You've forgiven her. You have stayed with her. If you can't let this go at a certain point and you're going to still hold it against her, when you're like cooking up grilled cheeses one night a year later from now. She burns a side. She burns one side. Now it's on street. So I think I'm in agreement with you. I just, I think we still have a little more time on, on him That's being raw. Um, oh, can I bring up, are you ready to go back to Julie Taylor and Matt Saracen? Yeah, because... I figured you're always ready for that. I do have something on her attire that I wouldn't want to let a, Vic, a VL podcast go by without... Let's start there. What you um, got? Zerb added to the list. Things I love with the ladies. Chuck tees mm-hmm. with the jeans. I I'm, mean... I'm with you on this. Oh, God. Uh, it's such a casual just... It gets me. I mean, I feel like with female attire... It's dicey when you're talking jean to to shoe combos. I have a very strong problem with 80% of girl shoes with the jeans that they wear. But if you're wearing Chuck T's with the jeans, ladies, count me the fuck in. 
So that was my point on her. Loved yeah. it. Yeah, man. Count me in. Everything on that Julie too. Taylor does, I fucking love. She's the best. <laughs> All right. So there's things are kind of coming to a head. I and mean, this might be in the last episode too, where Saracen's like hanging out. They're officially kind of like talking or dating or however you want to do it. And there's stuff like she wants to spend time with him on the weekend. Her parents don't want her to go. Mm-hmm. Saracen comes over to like watch TV. And every single time, Coach Taylor is just like kind of like a protective dad, a little bit of a dick about it. Like he, he makes a whole big scene about them sharing a blanket and basically kicks Saracen out around like nine. It just makes things awkward for Julie. Yeah. Are you thinking this is a bad look for Coach T? Because like usually he's always doing the right thing. But in this, I guess in this little storyline where he's the protective dad, I feel like he's not cool. It's, yeah, I mean... I'll use the term toxic masculinity. That's real hot in the streets right now. Oh, it is? Toxic masculinity, yeah. What's that? Just like you're... Is it very man? man Yeah, just like a macho man, like, hey, I'm the dad, get away from my daughter, that that shit. Okay, yeah, it's a little much. It's definitely a little much. Again, they do a really good job, though, of making you empathize with everyone, because I get it. Like, I... I get it. It's his daughter. It's his only child. It's his... Yeah, it's a little much. It's not a good look. I'm with you. It's it's not... It, it doesn't make him look good. I mean, all I want to do is watch Matt Matt and Julie T, like, you know, move this relationship forward, and Coach T is cock-blocking the fuck out of his daughter. Oh, I thought you were going to say something really inappropriate about what was happening under that blanket. Oh, <laughs> no. I don't think there was anything, though. They are just watching The Office. We don't know. Oh, uh, you think some hand stuff? Yeah. I pray to God. It'd be way cooler. Another thing was. you pointed out is that their house is too small for the one on one TV watching hang while the parents are just like in the kitchen connected. You really need you really need to have a basement. I mean, yeah, a basement's key. I and now I'm I th- like real big these days is kind of the open concept, you know, layout of a house. Yeah, where the kitchen's that's connected tough. to everything. That's so tough. I feel like if you're in high school you'd you don't you don't want the open concept. No. You want those walls very much not blown out. I think you just you need a basement. Or you you at least you can't be living in a ranch style house. If your parents are upstairs, you know, if it's a two story house and they're you upstairs. You need to be yeah, you need to be on different dif- planes of elevation. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Different levels. Different planes of elevation, different levels. If you're on different levels, whatever's going on down there, you can quickly get out of it when you hear them coming down the steps and stuff or whatever. But Coach T, I wish he'd tone it down just slightly. But I actually kind of like it in, in if I want to put a positive spin on it. I do like this dynamic, though. The dynamic of this, the kid, the the underdog, being into the coach's daughter. I know, it's great. Oh, it's God. great TV. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not the, great TV. The fucking taboo, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like through the roof. Gets me going. Do you, Should we get into the dad stuff with Matt's dad? Let's keep this brief. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad fucking sucks. His dad's basically a sociopath. He comes literally. in for one... He comes back from Iraq for like a couple episodes... I know you wrote down some stuff on it. I barely got anything. I be, like I think I wrote down. Um, let's see. I think I just wrote down Saracen's dad is the worst. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> he, he's just he's not fleshed out as a character. 
There's no layers, no onion here. It, it's just, he's the worst. They make him this one-dimensional robot of a sociopath who comes in, he has no redeeming qualities, and he just sucks all the way around. Yeah, the whole time we've been talking about how crazy Saracen's life is and how it's just seemingly impossible that he's QB1, taking care of his grandma, living by himself with her, and also holding down a job at the Frosty Freeze. What is no, it? Alamo Freeze. At the Alamo Freeze. He's doing it all and being a good kid at the same time and has bagged the hottest girl in Dylan. And his dad comes down and is barely able to, is just not even able to vocalize that he's proud of him in any way. He's just a, a dickhead. Yeah, so it, you know, we can use this as a jumping off point into a clip though because just know his dad fucking sucks. So Matt has a bad game. Because his dad blows ass and he's under too much pressure and, his, and, you know, he just sucks. And so, at the end of the game, Matt's all pissed off at his dad. And then there's this clip at the end of the game. You know, I thought you were going to come home from Iraq and actually be able to help, but you've only made things worse. Do you know what, actually? Why don't you just go back to Iraq? Because things worked out a lot better when you were there. Really? You're calling me all the time? Help me. Grandma can't do anything right. I'm, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to I'm do. I'm sorry. It's hard to pay the rent and go to school and take care I'm of my... I'm me for five minutes. I'm being you. What have you done? You think I'm going to come home to this? Now get in the truck. I'm not going anywhere with you. Get in the truck. You get in the truck. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Let me know when you go back to Iraq. We saw a little fire out of Matt. I mean, usually yeah. he's so nervous. He, he, he doesn't know what to say or do about anything. But you can tell when... Sure as hell, nobody wanted to say in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as soon as, like, you get you get some emotional baggage from his own personal life, like, that goes, you know, 16 years deep, he's got a little fire in there. So I liked seeing it for that clip of him telling his dad to go fuck himself. Okay, so there's only a couple other things that I had. One, the Riggins Redemption Tour of him going to the Curse Victoria show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool Loved saying. that. He so as we were talking about with with Landry, Landry finally gets through to him. Tim hears him. He he writes the paper, and then he goes to that Landry's Crucifictorious heavy heavy metal uh, Crucifictorious band show, and uh, no one's there. But Tim goes because he's like he wants to go and say like thank you. I thought this was just like. Tim at his core, dude, he's good guy. Good guy. He's good guy, dude. That I, I, he does all these shitty things on the outside, but inside, good character guy. He is not an example of what I was talking about last week with what I thought Buddy Garrity is. Yeah, Tim. Tim has enough redeeming. Tim things. is actually a heart of gold guy. Yeah, that fucks up from time to time and has a rough exterior. So, yeah, Tim came into that scene as hilarious because he was like, God, B minus. You're looking at a B minus. <laughs> and then Landry was all pumped up. And uh, it was just the bet. I, I just, it was, it was a good scene. It was a good, it was a good scene. And I think we realized in that scene, Landry's going to, he could be a player. He could be a player in this, uh, in this series. And with Tim, it was like good to have him after having a, a, a few bad episodes stretch him coming back and being like, I'm still here, fellas. Don't you worry. I'm still here. And then the last thing I had was just the clip of uh, Matt still all pissed off and what Coach T said to him at the end. So Matt doesn't go home with his dad. He just goes with Coach T 
to their house to like blow off steam, kind of hang out. And uh, in that final scene, lest we forget that Coach T is the fucking Yoda of the show. Redeems himself with a little bit of that uh, dick dad stuff he's been doing. Whether he was being a toxic masculine man or not right now. I feel like he's got like three relationships with Saracen. And see if I'm counting this right. Oh, this, yeah. He's got the coach, like the X's and O's type stuff. Yeah. He's got the mentor, and he's got the dad of the girlfriend. Yeah. I'll say girlfriend's dad. That's Do you think sense. Coach T sees a little of himself in Saracen? Maybe. I don't, I don't know enough of... It's hard to say. I, I think cause he does, because Coach they T... They should do a prequel, Coach T in high school. <laughs> oh, that would be unreal. <laughs> But he keeps all three of those relationships completely separate, for the most part. Dude, now I'm just thinking I really want to find a picture of Kyle Chandler when he was young and put him in a football uniform for our Instagram page. <laughs> Who knows? I may or may not do that. But I know Coach T has said something about like his dad was really hard on him growing up, like one of those dads who's like, nothing's ever good enough. You can always do more, like pushes you beyond your limits kind of thing. So maybe that, maybe there is like a, <laughs> yeah, there it is. Pat just showed me a picture of Coach T as a young, young lad. Um, maybe there is a little of that too. There might be three or four different relationships. Like maybe there's also this internal like struggle relationship that Coach T has going on because he like sees himself I in like Saracen that. too. Or so like a relationship with his past self. Yeah. Okay. So like, but I like your first three because it's true. There, there's all these different, like dynamics and ways that they interact. And I said he keeps them separate, but that's actually false. They kind of intermingle from time to time. Yeah, lines get blurred. Mm-hmm. Blurred lines. Okay, so here's this clip. Here it is. Coach T giving Matt Matt ass advice. Hell, Buddy Garrett, he ain't gonna let you cross the state line. Without finishing this season, he'll call out the damn National Guard if he has to. I hate him. I hate my dad. Hey, don't do that. Don't make that mistake. You think about what you just said. You get ready to go come inside. I'll take you home. At the end of the day, it's like, that's your fucking dad. That's all you have, man. That's your blood. You don't fucking do that. You you fucking pull your ass up out of this chair, and you fucking go deal with it like a man. God, I wish Coach T was just, like, always in my life. Like You'd call him up. Yeah, because I give up a lot, like, in work and stuff. But I feel like if he was around, he'd be like, hey, don't you do that, Brian. Don't you fucking throw in the towel on that I wish there was like a, like a Coach T soundboard. Yeah. Like you could just call into it. He's like a almost like a magic eight ball, but it was Coach Taylor in there and he was talking to you. He's like a motivational fucking Tony Robbins, dude. Just always killing it with advice. Anyways, that's it. That's it for us. That's it for this week on the Vicarious Living Podcast. We'll be back here. Same time, same crew next week. Kids. On in. Tuck on in. Tuck on in, kids. Sleep 
fucking tight. Pat? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less. Do less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not picture. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not picture.